Yeah. Well, let's just start the podcast we, the way we do literally every single podcast that we've ever done since the beginning. This is episode 92. Uh, let's do some land acknowledgments, folks. <laughs> <laughs> let's do some, right. uh, some the most <laughs> empty version of performative like social uh, wokeness that we possibly can. I don't know. Before we even get into this, I want to preface this by saying like, I have nothing against land acknowledgments. I have nothing against you know proactively letting people know what your pronouns are but when it's used in the most disingenuous way possible as a preface <laughs> to a union busting podcast it really starts to have the same energy as a pride flag on a cop car mm-hmm. anyway yeah i mean we're not <laughs> talking about anything in specific here oh wait it's <laughs> literally a podcast these yeah. fucking rei people that we were talking about last time have gone and brought their union busting into a world Right next to ours, the podcasting world. (laughs) Other labor podcasts like the REI anti-union podcasts. (laughs) Yeah, like watch the weird algorithm start associating us with them from like an SEO thing. (laughs) Well, I mean, shit, that's something that like I've seen a couple of my friends uh, talking about either in the Discord or on Facebook or something where they were like, I watched a few, you know, lectures about Marx or something, and it had Marxism in the title, and then it's recommending me other videos with Marxism in the title, and it's like Jordan Peterson, <laughs> or James you. Lindsay, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to watch any of this shit. Yeah, like, this fucking podcast thing is it's just so gross, because mm-hmm. like, I mean, yeah, the the comparison with the pride flags on cop cars is is, it's exactly the same shit. It's like, and it's very frustrating because not only is this like gross and appropriative and awful that they're trying to use like the language of, of identity politics judgments about that aside, like to basically try and weaponize people who actually do genuinely care about mm-hmm. indigenous rights, about, you know, people's like c- people being allowed to express their gender correctly and stuff like people who actually care about that and trying to turn that against the the workers at their company who are unionizing is just so fucking disgusting. Mm -hmm. And it not only is gross on its face, but you then see the annoying weirdo crypto reactionaries take it to be like, see, this is why we shouldn't care about pronouns at all. This is why we should never right. do land acknowledgements. And it's, it, <laughs> it, make, it helps all the worst people, and I hate it. <laughs> yeah, it really does. I mean, it has big, like, how do you do, fellow progressives, mm-hmm. kind of energy. Uh, and the saddest part of that is that even the progressive, the quote-unquote progressive wing of the Democratic Party, which is what most progressives like see themselves as being adjacent to, is still profoundly anti-worker <laughs> like, very right wing yeah yeah I, uh i didn't listen to it i just read the like the first what five paragraphs because there was a they actually the transcript have, yeah the transcript mm-hmm. that was yeah that was that was enough for my brain to be like i don't want to hear it i don't i just don't want to hear it yeah well there's a twofold thing happening here when companies like this like latch on to 
whatever is in vogue in terms of like social justice language or, you know, of course they're just doing the most superficial version, but when they latch onto this kind of language, it, it, it does, it has a, it has a dual purpose. The first one obviously is to make them seem like, you know, woke and progressive enough that maybe we should listen to what they have to say, which is just garbage. Um, and then, the other part is that it delegitimizes this kind of language, right? When you mm-hmm. see a major company using social justice talking points, it's it's very easy to have the knee-jerk reaction of like, well, if the company thinks that racism is bad, I'll just be racist. And it's like, you are a moron. <laughs> yeah. You're a fucking idiot. Get a grip, you know? And so, I, I mean, whichever one you pick they're still accomplishing something that they want to accomplish. Right. The, the, the best way to, sh- to stick it to this company is to be anti-racist, is mm-hmm. to gender people correctly, and to still tell them to go fuck themselves <laughs> if they don't treat their workers correctly. That's right. Yeah, I, I think that one of the things that uh, it is designed to do is launder some level of like credibility, because, I mean, we mm-hmm. they immediately go to lines like, when people ask us why we don't support unions, my answer is simple. We do not oppose unions. There's your beginning of that one. It's just that we do not believe, I do not believe, that introducing a union is the right thing for REI. I, I, love, th- I love that instead of saying but, which is a dead giveaway red flag, they said, <laughs> it's that we. Mm, very slick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, just, just so that they can like, get be like you know we are really thinking about this we have your interest in mind and we're saying that you don't deserve rights mm-hmm. yeah well and when they <laughs> pair it with like their argument where they're basically like you know third partying the union by saying stuff like i believe the presence of union representation will impact our ability to communicate and work directly with our employees and resolve concerns at the speed the world is moving like when you <laughs> pair that sort of third party with this like abuse of language the way that they've been doing it. They're essentially simultaneously third partying the union and arguing that the existence of a union will prevent them from supporting socially just causes. Right, right. They're saying like unions move too slow for today's hyper modern right. world. And that's why you should let us, a company that's been fucking you over for decades, <laughs> exactly. not make any changes. <laughs> The world is spinning faster and fa- it's not spinning faster and faster. No. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. This whole thing fucking sucks. And but yeah, I mean, you hit on it exactly, John. It's like the way to fight this stuff, and it's kind of something that, you know, we've made a theme of the show. It's like this is why unions have to focus on like causes of justice outside mm-hmm. like on the shop floor but also outside the shop floor so that you can't be even like outflanked in a fake way like this right no well i mean that's enough ranting on this stupid issue let's do the (laughs) intro All right. Uh, welcome to Work Stoppage, everybody. Uh, your your favorite hypocrisy pointing out podcast. 
Uh, that's all we do. We're entirely listener supported. So thank you so much for any money that you might be giving us on Patreon. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'll never run ads anyway, though. So any jokes I may have made about that in the past, please disregard. Uh, get in the Discord if you're not already in there. It's completely free. And leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think it will help. Just carve five stars into a park bench and write work stoppage next to it. It, it doesn't matter. That's uh, right. <laughs> the drones will see it. The dr- that's right. <laughs> Um, but we're going to talk about uh, some workers in South Africa that we have already talked about once before on this podcast. These are protesting workers at Clover, which is a dairy company mm-hmm. in South Africa, uh, which was recently purchased by an Israeli bottling corporation and then immediately proceeded to slash jobs and destroy the working conditions that the, the workers had there. And so now 5,000 workers have been on strike for over two months and the company's response to well allegedly (laughs) the company's response to this has been to hire taxi drivers to both vehicularly assault and to some degree kidnap and beat some of these workers who were protesting for better working conditions. Yeah. Like this story is wild. And then Mm -hmm. learning the fact that this is not the first time this has happened. Like, yeah, as, as you were saying, John, so the specifics of this story, like, are back last Monday on the 7th um, while there were about 30 workers picketing, you know, just demonstrating outside of the, the one of Clover's plants. So again, they're not on the property. Not that this would be okay if they were, but this is, you know, your standard picket outside the gate. Right. And two taxis with no license plates come out of the gate of the Clover plant. So that's the other thing. These taxis didn't come out of nowhere. They came from the closed like gate of the clover facility as you said they tried to ram into the picket line they failed i guess the 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 picketers were able to you know get out of the way they stopped grabbed two of the picketing workers threw them into the cars pulled them back into the facility and then proceeded to throw the guys back out of the cars and beat the crap out of them and there was a couple of videos in this article from people's dispatch i saw where they basically just like took their belts off and were just whacking the guys with it it was like while there were people who were clearly employees like security guards employed by clover just standing there watching it all happen didn't do anything they didn't you know and there was a we had a quote here from the president of um, Giwusa, which is like one of the unions that's involved here. Um, so their president um, apologized for screwing up this name. Mametlawe Sebe, I think, um, said that, quote, they got well, they that they got, quote, gates open to allow the taxis to exit the premises, chase down the striking workers and bring the two workers inside the factory. They were held hostage and beaten in full view of the management inside the factory premises. Managers neither called the police nor the ambulance, end quote. Well, I mean, it was probably at the behest. Yeah. Well, and the the, the fucking article says like this, he claims shows the complicity of the management. I'm like, he claims. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, think, you think management at a company is going to let random taxi drivers pull their employees onto the company property and beat them there and not call the police or, or emergency services? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. I mean, I, I assume that people's dispatch who are usually pretty good are doing that because unfortunately as like, you know, 
reporters they have to write allegedly on everything yeah, yeah Where- i know that they they have to but like still like come on this is as clear <laughs> as day that this this bottling company is is doing this as an act of intimidation with hired you know thugs basically but but john but we have a statement though from the one of the managers at clover steven Velthoisen, or i'm not it's i don't know how you pronounce things in boer um, but, um, he said, as has been the case in the past, the facts at our disposal differ materially from that communicated by unions to the public. We want to reiterate that at no time were any Clover employees involved in this incident. The taxi drivers do not work for Clover, nor were they under any instruction from us to drive anyone, nor do we pay them. My, I didn't pay those taxi drivers who beat those guys up t-shirt is really causing a lot more questions that I think are already answered by my t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, the, and uh these taxi drivers have also been being used to transport uh scab labor mm-hmm. in although recently they haven't had to because the scab labor is sleeping in the factory, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's it's wild like and the thing though that like first you're absolutely right, John. Like it's the idea that these taxi drivers would just do this on their own for no reason because they were I, I, annoyed <laughs> at the picketers or some shit. Like, that doesn't make any sense. That's ludicrous on its face. But the. But even if they weren't being paid, you're literally allowing them to do that. You're creating the conditions for it to happen. No, no, well, no. See, the- these taxi drivers, they're just riled up because they didn't get any sleep last night because YouTube <laughs> autoplay kept queuing up Jordan Peterson videos and they couldn't bring themselves to click close on Google Chrome. That's right. But the unions did point out, though, that basically this exact same thing happened at a strike at a Clover facility two years ago at a different plant where essentially the same thing happened. Taxi drivers, no license plates, coming off of the Clover property, grabbing people, taking them inside the property and beating them. It's basically the exact same thing. So the idea that this is just a gang of anti-worker taxi drivers who like beating up picketers, that that's more logical and, and reasonable to understand than maybe the company that's mad that its workers are striking is hiring thugs to attack them. Yeah. I mean, it's really a choice between believing that something we know happens all the time and have precedent for having seen happen in this specific instance before, or something that is so wildly improbable that there is no historical precedent (laughs) for it. Which one could it be? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's wild. I will, I will say, as as awful as that story is, mm-hmm. the strike from these clover workers, which has now gone on for almost two months, does seem to be having quite the effect because Clover has come back to the negotiating table and has been giving progressively better and better offers to the workers. They've already gone back on their proposal to slash like thousands of jobs uh, as well as like their plans to relocate some of their facilities uh, further inland. Um, and they have even offered to rehire almost 800 fired workers, but they are still planning on restructuring the company in ways that the workers object to that they still say would result in, in fewer jobs. So the workers provided a counter proposal 
of cutting this. the CEO's salary from $2.6 million to $130,000. <laughs> I, I love a $2.5 million pay cut for a CEO. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. These there's, they said in a statement, quote, the unions believe that Mr. Vorster, who's the CEO of the, the company that bought Clover, can still earn less than $130,000 without falling into the same poverty and hunger that is the lot of our members. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, the, I, I, I love, fine, honestly, I love, I love these unions. <laughs> it's like, they, they specifically came out and said that, okay, fine, you're saying we need to make cuts, like, we need to tighten the belt at the company? Fine. Then that should be paid for by the management and the shareholders who manufactured this problem in the first place, quote, at the expense of workers and farmers who built Clover for over 120 years. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, and I mean, they, they're just on fire. Like, the, the quotes from this union don't stop. Like, this wealth, which was created on the sweat, blood, and toil of our members, was creamed off by parasitic shareholders of clover who voted for a 210.8 percent increase in dividend in dividends paid to themselves whilst granting our members a pitiful seven percent wage increase that's fucking awesome and like i i don't know which one of you wrote in the notes i love these unions i wish our unions talked like this but it's absolutely right like this is the kind of energy that we might see once in a while from some longshoremen or something but this should be every teacher every Mm -hmm. nurse every fucking bus driver every fucking conductor you know yeah i think the thing that just is like so refreshing to see is the open understanding and acknowledgement of the fundamentals of class struggle Mm -hmm. in here there's none of this you know like you know really we really wish the company would work with us because it would be better for the company if they help out the workers which okay (laughs) i get that our environment here is extremely anti-labor but you got to appreciate them coming out and just being like no you know who made all the fucking wealth that this company made not the stupid shareholders who are fucking parasites leeching the profits off here it was the workers and so Mm -hmm. we should get a raise not them and it's like hell yeah as you said, like that's what we should be hearing from unions all the goddamn time. Absolutely. And like, I even love like their one of their last things where like they they rejected an offer from Clover that they still said was insufficient. And they said, "The strike is far from over. If anything, we're rebuilding the picket lines and broadening our base of support across the organized labor movement and in communities. The support from the South African Communist Party and Kursatu, is. which is a, a big like the Congress of South African Trade Unions, which has since joined our War Council, is a major <laughs> milestone in our." Preparation for renewed offensive in light of the recalcitrance of the Clover management. That's just so awesome. That's fucking <laughs> banging. I, I love, love to that. see that. I love seeing trade unions just be like, yeah, we got the communists helping us. Uh, it's been a big help, <laughs> you know, especially in a country that is like literally 31 years out of officially being mm. an apartheid state and is still definitely in terms of like relations of production an apartheid state like yeah like i don't know i just the i man i i just love a union that has a war council i want <laughs> i want more of that like come on yeah that's <laughs> anyways hats about. off to these 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 workers at clover they know how class struggle works and they're doing a great fucking job 
Absolutely. Well, our our next story, uh, you know, moves back into an area that we have certainly talked about quite a bit on the show, which is health workers. But we're moving outside, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sticking with our, our international perspective on this one, covering a couple of stories this time. Uh, one in Sri Lanka and one in Nigeria, where workers in the healthcare sector have gone on strike in both countries over, like, r- either insufficient or just straight up missing <laughs> pay, which is not the sort of thing you usually want to see in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. So these uh, workers in Sri Lanka have been on strike since February 7th over what they're calling salary disparities. But a lot of these salary disparities are just straight up wage theft, like not Mm -hmm. being paid previously agreed upon rates uh, due to the economic crisis, scare quotes around that. And they've also uh, demanded an increase to their allowances for transport and on-call duties from anywhere from 15 to $50 and a higher overtime wage, which makes a lot of sense because there's an international pandemic going on yeah. and healthcare workers are being worked to the fucking bone and have been for two years now. Yeah. And so these workers have previously done, you know, like we'll see sometimes where, especially in the healthcare sector specifically, because mm-hmm. these workers, you know, care so much about the patients that they're caring for, they will take measures that might seem insufficient in other areas, but are understandable when like you you get into the unfortunate specifics of, of healthcare work where they'll do like a one or a two day set length strike, right. uh, which, you know, from a pure class struggle perspective is not necessarily the strongest thing, but it's, it's, it's one of those issues where it's like, yeah, they don't want to, they, they hate the idea of having to be, you know, like step away from caring for their patients, but they're forced to by the fact they're just not being fucking paid. Like, right. how are these workers supposed to even just sustain themselves? Like, much less care for their patients if they, you know, can't pay their bills, can't buy food. Like, right, well, like, these healthcare workers have shown their, like, recalcitrance to go on a longer strike because they had one and two day strikes in November mm-hmm. and December protesting this very same stuff, unpaid wages and overwork, And it took them until February of this year to decide, like, okay, we're not getting any of this stuff with the one and two day strikes, so we have to ramp it up. So, like, it's easy for, and, and, you know, it's easy to try and twist around their care for their patients and be like, well, they, I don't care how little they make, they still shouldn't abandon their patients like that. But (laughs) any anger that you have at the miscare for the patients should be directed at the people who are not providing the decent enough working conditions for the healthcare workers. And that's, you know, ditto for the situation with like schools here in the United Mm -hmm. States and across the world as well. I mean, they got a warning. They got, they got their warning. They were, this was, it was very kind to just do a one and two day strike. Like that, that was very nice of them. And, and now I guess it's the, the time being nice is over because clearly that's not uh, reciprocated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to your, to your point, John, like with the attempts, we saw, we see this all the time here in the U S every time there's a nurse's strike in the U S the, the, the company that owns the hospital rolls out this same bullshit where they say, well, you know, it's really a shame that our nurses just don't care about their patients and they're willing to abandon them. But so Sri Lanka, like most of the rest of the world, you know, has 
I, as far as I could tell, a largely nationalized healthcare system, mm-hmm. but it's still being a, it's still a capitalist country. And so it's the, a lot of their social services are run with the same austerity pressures that we see throughout the capitalist world, including, you know, various places that have faced forms of neocolonialism. And so in response to the strike, rather than just, you know, okay, let's, spend some of more of our money. Okay. We're in a, we're in an economic crisis, which Sri Lanka is, but like, you're also in a pandemic. Like I guarantee you, there are things you could cut that like the military or something else (laughs) or just tax the rich more. They're like, even within the logic of capitalism, even without doing a revolution and, and, you know, seizing the means of production, like there are plenty of things you can do to make sure that you have the money so that your healthcare workers during a pandemic mm-hmm. have enough money that they can come into work every day. Yeah. And instead they've decided to crack down on the workers. They, 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 they invoked this 1979 law that bans strikes in the health and electricity sectors by declaring them essential public services and they've threatened to imprison workers who refuse to report to work for up to five years, seize their assets, and revoke their medical licenses. That is fucking insane. That's fucking yeah. nuts. They're like, oh, we could solve this with something that wouldn't even necessarily approach like a Bernie Sanders moment. Mm-hmm. But I do want to make a one point on the like centralization or nationalization of a healthcare industry. Especially, and, and honestly, sometimes regardless of capitalist status, that what that is is that centralization allows for the very focused power for things that need to change. I mean, clearly, these this is a way in which you don't have to be. Uh, left at the whims of a hundred different like insurance companies like we have mm-hmm. here in the United mm-hmm. States. You're not constantly battling a thousand battles. You have one specific place where you can make your demands and make it clear. That is Well, and the pressure that the government is placing on these workers is so high that the unions are now like consulting with legal, like they're getting advice from lawyers on whether or not it's even reasonably possible to continue the strike without being imprisoned and or fine and or having your medical license revoked. Which yeah, is I mean, yeah, this level of repression is wild. I, I, I mean, it's, it's hard to say because, yeah, like when it's, it's one thing to be like threatened with being fired. It's another thing to be threatened with being thrown in jail for five right. years. Like and and having your your ability to do your job, your livelihood taken away with your yes. medical license being revoked. Yeah, so I would think that they would need to be in pretty strong communication with, like, the rest of the Sri Lankan, like, labor movement. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it, it's you can call the, the, the country's bluff on that, but you got to have a lot of people backing you up to do it. Like, so, uh, it's, yeah, it's a really, really rough position for for these folks that they've been forced into by this, you know... Government that could clear... They have a million ways they could solve this problem without... Mm-hmm resorting to these sorts of anti-worker threats and instead have chosen, you know, the tool of repression in, uh, which is extremely frustrating. So uh, all our solidarity with these striking workers and, and hopefully, you know, that, that sort of threat can help energize and mobilize the rest of the labor movement in Sri Lanka to back these folks up. Cause like, even if they're forced to end the strike, like that doesn't solve the conditions that are fundamentally behind it. And if you can get solidarity strikes in other industries that aren't affected by this law, like I feel like that could be an, a, a way to 
you know, respond without putting the doctors at risk of, you know, imprisonment. Right. Well, and I mean, that's why it pays to uh, have connections to groups like communist parties that aren't necessarily trade unions, but might know people in a bunch of other unions and have an active interest in promoting the welfare of workers and labor in general. Yeah. Yeah, So, so partner up with your local communists, uh, (laughs) 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 yeah, but so at the same time in, we were seeing similar issues also occurring in Nigeria where healthcare workers have been struggling basically since the pandemic started with Mm -hmm. insufficient everything, basically like unpaid wages, lack of PPE. And, and basically the response from the state being every time these healthcare workers, you know, petition for more funds for just supplies to be able to do their jobs. They get, you know, it's the same thing. They get to, Oh, well, these people, they don't care about their patients. These are just lazy doctors, which is, Again, a wild, a wild messaging approach to take. Well, Um, and the parallels continue. Like these workers have also tried to fire warning shots. You know, mm -hmm. they've done the short term strikes. They've done the protests and the pickets and they've held up the signs and they've made their demands clear over and over and over again and only been met with state and corporate repression each time. Or is Nigeria's healthcare system state run? Maybe just state repression, but whatever. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's still public service there but um yeah they've again it's like you said it's very similar but to the point where so again we've now been in we're we're two years into the pandemic Mm -hmm. and because of vaccine nationalism and the u.s's refusal to lift uh patents on the mrna vaccines created here in the u.s like africa specifically has been completely fucked over but and not receiving anywhere near enough vaccine doses. So while Nigeria hasn't had the like horrific rates of COVID that like we've had here, only 5% of their population is vaccinated. So there's like, that means that at any time, like there could be a huge wave, just tear through the population there and completely overwhelm these, these strapped workers who have seen their salaries reduced by 25% since the pandemic started. Like, not increased, cut. That doesn't make any sense. Like, we need this. So how about you do it uh, for free now or or something like, rather than uh, we need this and we're going to make sure that you're supported while you do it. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's it's absolutely mind boggling. Like, and I feel like this is one of the things that our, one of the many ways that our privatized healthcare system here helps politicians because they can basically support the cutting of wages for workers like nurses and the vast majority of healthcare workers outside of, you know, some specialized like, like doctors and specialists and stuff right? without having to say that by saying we need to cut funding for like certain types of state insurance or other sorts of subsidies, much more wonky ways than basically where you have government officials here in the Nigerian house of representatives critiquing these striking healthcare workers for quote, lack of dedication to patient care. It sounds like they have lack of dedication to patient care. Yeah. You wake up every morning and and choose neglect of your workers and their patients. You know, why don't you fucking do your job? You lazy ass. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and they they've moved to pass a bill pretty similar to the one that was just invoked in Sri Lanka that would ban healthcare workers from going on strike. Um 
and which which caused an immediate response from the National Association of Resident Doctors in Nigeria, who said, quote, we maintain that the right to strike is a universal democratic right of all employees, regardless of where they are employed, private or public sector. Absolutely. That's right. right. Yeah. So, I mean, this is fucked up. Like, it's I don't it's 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 baffling. Like of all the places that you're going to try and cut funds from during a pandemic, the healthcare system seems like maybe literally the worst place to do it. And, and to then berate those workers for not being dedicated to their jobs is just so insulting. No, I mean, they're the lifeblood of your healthcare industry and you're just treating them like garbage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess on the one bright side, it does seem like there's solidarity across the healthcare sector, mm-hmm. like, cause not just, you know, the workers who may be like at the bottom of the pay scale, like, you know, nurses or like, like maintenance people or folks that are a little easier, I, I would guess for places to abuse. Like you also have the actual, you know, doctors association. Cause like here in the U S you know, the AMA is a pretty right wing mm-hmm. <laughs> body where, so like, it's, it's good to see, you know, this sort of like solidarity, at least within the healthcare sector in Nigeria. So hopefully they'll be able to stay strong against this repression, but that fucking sucks. Yeah. Well, and speaking of unprecedented repression, uh, we can move back to the United States where we can look at the repression of information associated Mm. with COVID. Yeah. uh, Specifically in Amazon warehouses where uh, there are some people who have been doing their best to put together data based on like text messages and because Amazon literally will not release information about how much they've put their workers at risk. Uh, that that it's been completely up to the the workers themselves or or organizations to that support the workers to look into this data finding things like in a warehouse of 2700 people that at least a thousand of them have contracted covid yeah i mean some of these numbers are wild because like we we did a story a while ago i think a couple of months ago on the fact that we knew that Amazon was suppressing the data on cases that are happening at their facilities, but because they were doing that, it made it really difficult to really quantify this. And so we now, thanks to this report from this, this, this outlet, the markup where they were working with Amazon workers in facilities in California to try and get a better picture on this because Basically, the the only reason we even have this data is because from that story we were talking about on a previous episode, California sued Amazon saying, hey, you are lying to your workers about how many cases there are. And so, of course, because of the way our fucking legal system works, Amazon settled the case, did not admit fault. But they agreed to pay a $500,000 fine. And more importantly, they agreed to provide their workers with the actual case counts at their facilities. They're not telling the general public this stuff, but they are telling their workers. And so these reporters were able to get some of this information from the actual employees. And as you said, Lena, like the numbers are pretty stark. Like over a third of the, wor- of the workers at this facility in Stockton. Uh, which like, as you said, employed 2,700 people like reported 
getting cases. There's a facility in Rialto that employs 4,400 workers where about a quarter of those workers um, reported COVID cases. Right. And they even went to like the number of cases per day. Like at one point, Amazon was reporting, which again, if Amazon's reporting this, we have to assume the numbers are higher. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, Amazon I was about was re- to make that point for sure. <laughs> yeah, because sure. they reported... 40% of cops, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, like they reported 61 cases at the facility in in one day, which, like, that's a lot of cases at one workplace. <laughs> yeah. Like, in a warehouse that I assume you're in relatively close contact with most of the people at some point because you got to walk through the whole facility to get to wherever your station is. Right. You're all using the same bathrooms, like you're right, and so and like, this is and and like you said, I mean, this is reported cases, but then we also know how poor t- testing is in the United States and how little mm-hmm. access a lot of people have to actually know whether or not the sniffles they got is COVID or right. or you know this or that. I mean, some people are even able to be entirely asymptomatic while yeah, you, while contra- while carrying COVID. It's really interesting. It's it's almost uh, reminiscent of like the the fucking Fermi paradox. How many like informational filters there are on figuring out how many covid cases are actually occurring because you have people who might have covid and like you know misdiagnose themselves as just having the flu or just be asymptomatic and not know or just come into work sick and try to hide it because they can't afford to take the time off of work and then you have amazon which is deliberately misreporting the number of cases to keep it as low as possible deliberately misclassifying workplace transmissions as uh, unrelated you know cases of covid and then i know that the state of california sued them to find out how many cases were happening but it's not like they forced that data to go out to the public we had to rely on an independent journalistic entity to do that mm-hmm. for us and then you know the federal government is more than happy to let amazon misreport the number of cases because they want nothing more than for the big covid line to finally start going down so they can reopen everything and get back to um <laughs> hyper exploiting everybody like before covid but also with all of the new stuff they learned from the hyper exploitation during covid and it's like at the end of the day it's almost impossible to even have a, a realistic conception of how many fucking COVID cases are going on in these workplaces. It's insane. Right. And this is like a big deal in California uh, where they're actually getting some information, but around the country, that's not, it's not, you know, in parallel, like there, this is only in California that we're even getting some of this data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. And, I mean, plenty, plenty of Democrat states, but it's, it's Democrat-led states, but especially the Republican-led ones, uh, have also been themselves found guilty by independent, you know, journalists and and, and other uh, data-minded people for repressing and suppressing the number of reported cases that come out of their state or their county or their city or whatever it is. Yeah, and they had a, I mean, they had a quote in here in the article from a former chief of staff and senior policy advisor at OSHA, uh, Debbie Berkowitz who said, Amazon has all this information. They know exactly the risk that workers are facing. They know exactly how many are getting injured and sick. And it's stunning that they're deciding to withhold that from their workers. And (laughs) It actually should be illegal. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. uh, But also, like, 
oh yeah, this this person who's in OSHA is just like, why isn't there an organization that's designed to do yeah. this? It really it really has Nancy Pelosi telling me to email Joe Biden vibes. <laughs> yes, yeah. you know, like <laughs> yeah, I'm like okay, so I. Because I at first thought this was somebody who was still working at OSHA, which made me even more mad when I right. read it. But thankfully, Lena highlighted that, no, actually, it's the, a former uh, worker at OSHA. But still, as you said, the fact that you could work at OSHA and come away with like, man, why would they do this? I can't believe they're not giving people the information. Like, come on. You worked at OSHA. You know the companies don't want to do any of this shit. Like, OSHA should be requiring every business to give them this information, to provide rapid tests to all of their workers for the duration of the pandemic, and then publishing the information so that people know where there are outbreaks because it's the only way to fucking stop the disease. Right. But well, Dan, no, the, 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 that would be socialism. <laughs> <laughs> that the would be barely social get, democracy. Yeah. <laughs> the idea that they have to get this former OSHA person as like the person who's doing the comment is just this level of like, like, um, yeah, we called up my uh, my old roommate who has an opinion on this situation. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, when really there, like, there are people in OSHA right now. Who could who should be making comments like and we're taking steps to make sure that this is happening. But no, no, we get Debbie Berkowitz. Yeah. And of (laughs) course, the like Amazon is continuing their lies that like their their workplaces are not a major source of transmission. It's not their fault. There's nothing they could do. They said Amazon spokeswoman uh, Elisa Carroll said The country experienced another surge in COVID cases this winter, and nearly every company was affected. As we have throughout the pandemic, we will work closely with the public health authorities and our own medical experts to determine the most effective ways to keep our employees and our communities safe. And we communicate with local health authorities and our employees whenever there's a new case. When they say most effective, they mean bare fucking minimum. They mean just enough to skirt legal liability and sometimes not even that. I cannot stand legal liability. (laughs) Most effective at keeping our facilities opening, open and operating at maximum throughput. Right. Most most profit generating. To to what John was saying about like liability, this just reminds me of when uh, we were were talking at work one time about uh, how the DNR doesn't take down trees that are going to fall into the road because it technically would be an act of God and isn't a problem with the insurance company. And so like (laughs) they just like, oh yeah, what if this tree falls and kills someone well it wouldn't be a problem because it's not a liability like what kind of fucking mentality is that man yeah. actuary brain <laughs> maximum that's fucking wild but i mean the actuary other thing brain. though that's so frustrating about this like tying it back into stuff we've talked about before is that as amazon is hiding the case numbers in every state except california mm-hmm. And also just to point out, because I don't think we mentioned this earlier, even though they're publishing the numbers of cases at each facility, which is good, like good, although again, they were forced to do that. They aren't informing workers if the cases, I understand you're not going to report the names of the people. Okay, that's fine. I, I, I get that. Like there's privacy concerns there. Again, that's why this stuff should all be handled through a centralized contact tracing bureau handled by the state. But anyway, like <laughs> that's it, right. They're not informing workers if those cases were of somebody maybe they worked right next to so that they could be like, oh, I am at a higher risk. I should go get tested maybe right now. <laughs> like, right. They, they're just saying, oh, there's this many cases. You decide what that means. Like, 
And yeah. and this is all going on at the same time that Amazon is using the CDC's revert like um revised guidance for how long to isolate as cover for cutting down the amount of time that they allow workers to take off when they get sick from COVID. Right, which is exactly what the change in CDC guidance was meant to provide cover for. Right. No, exactly. It's like Mm -hmm. there was never, there was not and has not been any science provided by the CDC at any point to justify cutting the quarantine time after a positive test for vaccinated individuals down from 10 days to five days. There has been numerous data showing that vaccinated people can still be infected, infectious eight and a half days, nine days, even in rare cases, even after the 10, the 10 day mark, but that's pretty rare. So like the 10 day amount that they used to have actually pretty scientifically sound the five day one bullshit that they only put in so that amazon can do stuff like this which is cutting their allowable sick time for people who get covid from two weeks to one week which means that functionally they are keeping their numbers high because they're forcing workers to come back while they're still infected right yeah well and even if there was some notification like oh you are at risk it's not like they have a testing program do they I mean maybe they have some Maybe there, maybe I just have not, I haven't heard of a testing program specifically for these giant businesses. The Amazon screaming booths into testing kiosks or something like, why not? Like set set up a, set up a a testing stand right next to that, uh, uh, mailbox. They still haven't removed from the Bessemer property. And one of the things though, this is also highlighted is that Amazon's process for taking sick leave, even if you have it, even if their policy allows it, is completely fucked. It's it's designed purposefully to confound workers and make it less likely that they'll be able to use it, mm-hmm. much like a lot of the social programs the U.S. government administers are, um, where workers reported in this article spending up to nine hours on the phone with Amazon HR trying to get sick time approved. And to the point where a lot of workers said, I tried to get this approved, couldn't figure it out. I was on the phone for hours. I couldn't get it approved. So I, I, you know, I couldn't figure it out. So I went back to work. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. And also you should get paid for your time on the phone with HR. Just saying. Oh Mm -hmm. yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's just like, I I go back to the Starbucks thing where they're like, Oh, if you're sick, you have to call uh, 12 local stores to find out if someone is willing to, to cover for you. And just so like you're you're literally miserable in bed, sick, just spending two hours before you're supposed to be in a, in for your shift, just calling people and being like, "I'm very sick. Can you cover?" And they're like, "No, no, no. Yeah. It's always no." And hey, just Rick, like, I got I got you on speaker because I'm uh, hunched over the toilet right now. <laughs> but can you work my shift for me? And he's like, "I'm hunched over the toilet too." Yeah, I don't know. I just. But yeah, so this is just a highlight because like if you look, if we look at just the COVID numbers that we, we've seen from this article from California plants where you're seeing 25, 30, 33% of workers getting COVID, you apply that nationwide. Obviously that's a very, you know, that's not a particularly scientific extrapolation, but it's thanks to Amazon and their fucking obfuscatory policies. It's the only data we have. So if you apply that, like consider the size of Amazon's workforce. Like mm-hmm. if you think, if, if we think that percentage and I, we have no reason not to like, if that is the percentage of people who got COVID at Amazon uh, facilities, then you're looking at like 250, 300, 400,000 cases at these plants. Yeah. And like and, uh, OSHA does nothing. Now, 
now that's that kind of leads me to another question which i don't know if i got we got an answer in this is is so amazon has these numbers but have they reported them like are are is are, are amazon's numbers just not part of the national number count i mean they say they report them to local health officials but why would we believe them like i I don't know. I like mm-hmm. genuinely do not know. And it's so not it's a big lady on article. that one. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, we had Debbie Berkowitz telling us that she knows the company knows all the numbers, which I'm like, well, if, if you know that, then I would presume OSHA knows that, which Wouldn't means that OSHA probably has the numbers, numbers, but isn't publishing them. You should probably publish them. Uh, I love having, <laughs> but, I love having federal agencies that just are not capable on purpose of doing yeah. a goddamn thing. That's incredible. What a, what a lovely use of, of all of our fucking money. <laughs> but wow. I mean, and it also just illustrates, it's like, this is exactly the sort of stuff that like Chris Smalls at JFK eight was yep. originally fired for protesting about two years ago. And that's what led to the founding of the ALU in on Staten Island. So like clearly those conditions are still the same. And so, you know, there's as much of a reason for folks to be organizing just around this COVID stuff as any, as, as all of the other horrors of working at Amazon. And so like, I hope that, you know, when the teamsters kick their Amazon drive into gear, this is the sort of stuff they hammer on. Cause like this is happening everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I guess we're just doing, this is a whole working conditions episode. Yeah. Cause I think yeah. that that's basically what we reported on pretty consistently besides our, our final, uh, story here. But, uh, we're going to keep going over the, uh, the work conditions that have been going around the going on around the world, but still here at, at home where, uh, we're finding out that wage theft is, is a thing. It's a, it's a real thing. <laughs> and not only is it a thing, it is the largest form of theft in the United States. That's when, correct. When people are like, oh, but, but, but theft is up. And you're like, yeah, we have all sorts of people stealing people's wages. We got businesses out here taking people's, t- taking people's wages, paying them below minimum wage. Yeah. Well, and this story <laughs> that we're going to talk about is particularly despicable because it's people who are running an industry that should not even exist. Temp work, which is literally just middlemanning labor to employers and then taking a cut off the top Mm -hmm. and then these people are so dissatisfied with their no overhead all profit business model that they still need to continue to steal even more wages from the workers that they're supposed to be helping find gainful employment yeah so this is coming out of a report from the organization temp worker justice uh, and reported in in these times they, they conducted a big survey of workers in the temp work industry and found that basically a quarter of all temp workers, you know, when you extrapolate the survey, reported that their wages were often paid less than the minimum wage in the state mm-hmm. that they were working in, that the agency failed to pay overtime or just straight up didn't pay the workers for all the workers that they were, for all the hours they were working. Right. And like, even one of the things that the article noted that uh, I didn't realize is that even outside the temp industry, cause that 24% in the temp, in the temp agency, like field is in, that's insane. Like that's so <laughs> such a high percentage to be facing this. But one of the things it also points out is even outside the temp industry, 17% of low wage workers in the 10 most populous States in the U S 
reported being paid below the minimum wage and over a third of tip workers reported their wages being stolen. So like, mm-hmm. it, so when you see those charts and those stats about wage theft being the largest like form of theft in the U S like, that's not just fudging the numbers. It's like, this is a huge percentage of the workforce is consistently having its wages stolen even above and beyond the standard capitalist practice of surplus value extraction. Well, yeah, and sometimes like, to the point of not being paid at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that uh, one of the things that, that blows my mind about the idea of temp work is this this story from Al White, who's 60 years old, who'd worked at uh, Chicagoland warehouses for over three years as a temp. See, hold on. It's just this first line that makes me fucking, like, stop. You are a temp worker for three years. What? Yeah. Three years doesn't sound temporary to me. Yeah. The that's one of the so the 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 article really exposes like as you were saying at the beginning john like uh the pre- completely predatory nature of this industry not like not just by the people that run the temp agencies although for sure them mm-hmm. but also the ways which companies that hire these temp agencies exploit this to get around hiring full-time workers because yeah as you were saying uh, al white mentioned that on all of his assignments, he made barely over minimum wage and most of the time made four to $6 less per hour than permanent employees doing the same job. So we have yet another way that, you know, us labor law allows things like this to let companies essentially get around hiring full-time workers with benefits and and in cases where they can't just resort to the gig model of independent contractors. Right. Well, and then another big concern about this is that a lot of these workers are, are brought into these positions and are convinced that it's a good idea to work these temp jobs because there is a promise that they will be hired on full-time or could right. be hired on full-time. And so from, from this survey, uh, apparently they found that 72% of workers were misled about an aspect of the temp assignment or the likelihood that they would be converted to a permanent hire. And if you've ever been, been looking for a job you see this all the time. There are so many temp agencies and so many businesses who just do this as like a first party practice as well, where they'll bring you in and they'll be like, we need seasonal work. Can you come in and do it for $11 an hour for six weeks around Christmas? And if we like you, we'll keep you on full time. And it's like, well, we all fucking know that you don't need to keep people on full time in January, you fucking asshole. (laughs) So (laughs) shut the fuck up. Yeah. I mean, the numbers that they cited in there like are to the point that this stuff should just be prosecuted as fraud because like, like it, the 72% is a, that's so much like that's that's, a whopping two thirds majority. It's a super majority, right? Yeah. And, and, and and that 72% or, and that 70% of workers surveyed had never been hired into a permanent position after working temp jobs. And the most despicable part of this, I think, I mean, in a, like there's a, two sides to this because of the people they're exploiting, but then the ways in which they do it. But some of these temp agencies write into their contracts with the companies that are contracting with them, no poach clauses, which specifically bar the employer from hiring the temp worker Mm. full time, full time, or putting in, conversion fees basically a finder's fee that the temp agency would get if 
the company went on to try and hire the temp worker full time, discouraging them from doing that in the first place, which just makes those the way they portray themselves as this is an easy stepping stone. Maybe you'll go work at a couple places, but you'll get hired full time. Like they're actively working to prevent that so they can keep this hyper exploited labor force in their clutches, basically. Right. Well, and they're doing all of this on top of the, the basic fact that if they needed full-time employees, they would just hire more full-time employees. That's not what they're looking for. They're looking for someone who's hyper-exploitable to come in and do temporary work. That's why they, they're sourcing this work to temp agencies in the first place. So the lie that you would ever get hired on full-time, like it, it's like getting into the NBA. It's just not going to fucking happen, you know? Right. And the conditions for these workers are absolutely appalling on top of all mm-hmm. of that. Uh, saying, I mean, six percent of all temp workers surveyed reported never or reported six uh, percent of all temp workers surveyed reported having paid vacation days, and four percent reported uh, that their staffing agency makes contributions to their retirement account. That means that nine ninety four percent of people have no paid vacation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and yeah, essentially, no temp worker gets vacation or gets any sort of retirement. And so unsurprisingly, and this is, I think one of the most salient points from the article for our, you know, uh, purposes, not just to report on the horrific conditions these workers face, but we understand the level of consciousness that these workers are developing. When we find out that 80% of workers surveyed are interested in joining a union to improve their working conditions. And so to me, I'm like 80%, where do you see that number? anywhere like unions get the fuck on it like i get that like there are a lot of challenges with high with with, like unionizing temp workers for sure because you have a rotating series of different employers you have all these weird sorts of contractual classifications but like these folks are out there getting like exploited to the nth degree that to the point where there's already this level of high consciousness of the necessity for collective organizing so, like, I don't know if this would be best for RWDSU, maybe, or Unite Here might be a, a, a good one for this mm-hmm. sort of service. But, like, we got to unionize the temp workers because a big part of this is because, like, while I agree, John, that most of the places that are hiring temp workers are doing it because they just want a temporary exploitable workforce. They have no intention of hiring anyone right. full time. We do also see the places that cycle through mm-hmm. temp workers to do the same job over and over and over again, purely just to get out of hiring someone. Right. And in both cases, you end up with the ability of these employers to pit temp workers against full-time employees and to basically to pit one group of labor against itself. And that just makes the necessity for organizing these workers, for bringing both the temp and the permanent workers together in organization, all the more vital because that's the way you stop employers from being able to pit one group against each other is by bringing them together. Yeah, I mean, you were saying like, well, maybe we should look at which unions are are should get on this eighty percent figure. I mean, hopefully, if there are any unions that already exist in these industries, those locals are the ones who are doing the organizing of the temp workers yeah. in that industry and bringing them into the unions that are associated with that industry, so that there is, you know, we can get rid of this fucking second tier of workers because that's ex- again when you're when you have uh 
workers with different conditions like that, that is a multi-tiered workplace. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and so like one of the things that the report recommends doing um, is focusing on legislative reforms, which we're not going to waste time telling people to appeal to Democrats. But this is one of the things that you know unions can flex their power to get are you know necessary legal reforms that will make future organizing easier. Things like pay parity laws, which we've talked about in the past with regards to temp workers in Europe, where like Google was hiring temp workers and not paying them the same as full-time workers, which is illegal in a lot of countries. So that sort of thing would help discourage a lot of the most predatory practices we see here, uh, as well as putting in order to stop companies from trying to hire temp agency temp employees semi permanently without giving them any of the permanent status put passing laws that would put a legal limit on the length of time temporary workers can be on a single job because that would then you know keep a company from being like I want to hire a new person but I don't want to pay a full person's benefits right. I'll just cycle through five people from this temp agency like so I think that's another tool not to be like, let's spend money to on a campaign for a Democrat that says they're going to do these things, even though they will just not do them when they get into yeah. office. Mm-hmm. But I mean, make them part of a demand when you do strikes. Yeah, yeah because it's not about whether or not you're going to get someone into government that, that is going to help you. Is that you can put the pressure on the people who are in government. Right. Exactly. Like, well, and because it's like, it doesn't matter know, if they're Republicans or Democrats. You need to pressure them regardless. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like choose your representation. Uh, the union that is collectively made up of the workers who share your interests as a worker or a Democrat. <laughs> yeah. It's such an easy choice. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean... <sighs> Yeah, this 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 whole situation with the with the temp workers is really gross. It reminds me a lot of the a lot of the stuff that we've seen from like the home care workers, mm-hmm. like a lot of the ways that they're exploited seems like very similar conditions. And yeah, another place that just seems so ripe for for unions to be getting into, yeah, whichever union it is, like this is a big industry. These workers are hyper exploited and it's the 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 hyper exploitation of these workers is allowing companies to fuck over even their permanent employees. So you know, we gotta gotta get on this. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, there are some people who got on it uh, in a different situation. That's right. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk about another story. reprehensible business model: <laughs> selling animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have the first PetSmart union ever. Uh, to unionize, uh, and their vote was 17 to 7, and they unionized with UFCW Local uh, 1006A, and uh, I don't know, the one thing, you know, and if you follow any of this media, you just, like, you've probably seen me post their freaking union logo which is the greatest union logo it's my favorite one it's like the the uh the power fist but the inside of the fist is a little red ball and there's like little paw prints between the words as they're going around the little the little <laughs> union sticker it's so good i just love it and i mean it makes sense i mean with a logo like that you couldn't lose lose a union <laughs> drive that that's right so these these uh these workers this is at a pet smart in toronto they organized, uh, as you said, with, with UFCW, but w- they started this push uh, a little, like, basically 
right at the start of the pandemic, but the pandemic was basically the final straw in several years of, of worsening conditions mm-hmm. after PetSmart, which is the biggest pet store chain in North America, was bought by... A private equity company. Oh, I was just to say, it's like, huh, what happens? I'm guessing consolidation of capital? I had my money on Nestle, but that one's just as likely, I guess. Oh, but yeah, so as we, t- I mean, this, there's so much of this that's similar to some of the stuff we talked about, like with the Red Lobster workers after mm-hmm. their company was bought by a private equity firm, where... Since BC Partners, the firm that bought the the company in 2015, they've essentially frozen wages for workers at their stores. They they uh, have basically kept the wage at all their PetSmart um, stores at the minimum wage, which an average of eleven to twelve dollars an hour across the U.S., which is what they paid the workers right now in Toronto, which is minimum wage there, which is fifteen dollars Canadian, and have refused to pay workers at any of their locations hazard pay during the pandemic. And they've basically, as we've talked about in a lot of these different industries, they've essentially applied a lean philosophy to a pet store. Right. Where so it's, it's a dollar general with a bunch of live animals in it. Yes. Well, they're live animals at first. Um, yeah, this is not the best, but I, I know I put this at the end because ultimately it is a good story, but like some of this stuff is really fucking awful. Cause like, they slash jobs to save money as all mm-hmm. of these private equity companies do, which of course meant you have fewer workers to work the same workload. And so workers are getting overworked. They have to skip breaks. They have to work outside their shifts, work skeleton shifts with no extra pay. But in addition to that, they also refused to provide workers the supplies they need to fix broken equipment in the stores, which has meant that they've, there has been a skyrocketing rate of animals at these stores dying from unsafe conditions that there's mm-hmm. a video that more perfect union put out where like they talked about like the hamsters or even like the lizards or all the various like little animals that they sell that they keep in like little cages or aquariums and enclosures where they would just refuse to provide the appropriate number of shelters for these animals. So they would have to cram more and more of them into smaller enclosures, which is any, I mean, I don't know anything about medicine or animals, but even I could tell you, I'm like, isn't that going to make it way more likely you're going to have disease? Yeah. And yes. And that's exactly what's happened. Like, and the number of like, even deaths of dogs at the chain has doubled in the last seven years since BC partners bought the company. And so like, it's not, I mean, not that the, like the deteriorating working conditions, the paying of, of, of less than a minimum wage is is bad isn't bad it's just like in addition more bad yeah yeah it's like not only are they abusing their workers but because of the nature of pet smarts industry where you're selling live animals as pets like instead of it just being like oh some product like rotted on a shelf well instead of that being like i don't know a bunch of like shitty snack food at a dollar general or like a bunch of parts rusting on a shelf at an auto parts supply store, the parts, the fixed capital that you're trying to sell here is like living animals. And that fucking sucks. Like, uh, and that's, that was one of the most common motivations that folks cited in pushing for this union drive was that like, 
they were tired of seeing like the awful conditions that these animals were being kept in. Yeah. I mean, I've known two people in my lifetime who have worked for PetSmart at some point, and I know the exact same number of people who quit after a very short amount of time because they just could not take it. Yeah. And I mean, for, and for people who care about animals, because usually I think it's a lot of people who care about animals a lot who end up in mm-hmm. those positions. And then to yeah. just see the rampant abuse, uh, Matt, like, that, that's got to take a toll on your, your mental health, along with not having enough money to pay your fucking bills. Well, and like overcrowding animals, it's such a caricature of just being driven by, you know, nothing but the profit motive. Because mm-hmm. like when, when you start cramming more animals than belong in an already ridiculously small enclosure, in many cases, you know, anybody who has a background in <laughs> biology, uh, animal husbandry, veterinary medicine, <laughs> epidemiology, like they're all reeling in horror, you know, like it's really just not something that you're supposed to do. And then to put that psychological and also labor burden on what are in many cases high school and college students Mm -hmm. is insane and frankly depraved yeah yeah well and it makes sense that they got they won their uh vote 17 to 7 but it Mm -hmm. was not without a fight because PetSmart was doing serious union busting Mm -hmm. saying things like we do not believe that you need to pay hundreds of dollars a year to have a union speak on your behalf, which is not only doing a fucking, oh, dues are like some sort of bullshit when we all know what that dues are, what allow the union to keep organizing and that you want that so that the workers have power. But they also then third party the union to say that the union speaks on the, on their behalf when in reality they are the union. I mean, it's just so insane that a company would ever be like, do you really want to pay this in union dues? Like, a company cares if you spend money out of your pocket on <laughs> yeah. something. They obviously know it's going to come out of their pocket more than yours. So fuck them. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and, you know, they also rolled out that standard thing. They brought in a union buster to have, to be a professional listener <laughs> to uh, to spy on the workers. And then rolled out the classic private equity line where one manager threatened to close the store if the union won, which I don't know Canada's labor law, uh, but that's like extremely Ill- illegal. Like even if you're planning on doing that, like right. if you're Dollar General or whatever, you can't say that. Yeah, and like, that store manager's name was Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but... Yeah, no, I mean, thankfully, their union-busting shit completely failed Mm because the the workers overwhelmingly voted for the union, uh, and the workers, you know, put out a statement saying, we hope PetSmart and the public recognize why we are doing this. We are tired and deserve to have our needs met. We've worked hard to preserve PetSmart's profit. Now we're looking out for ourselves since no one else has. Yeah. And so PetSmart claims after the victory that... We intend to meet with local union leaders and bargain in good faith to achieve an agreement that is equitable to our team and to PetSmart Canada. So, yeah. I mean, we'll see. I, <laughs> I, I imagine they will, they'll drag their feet as long as possible, like all these motherfuckers do. But still, hats off to these PetSmart workers. And let's hope that this is not the only story about PetSmart Workers United that we are talking about in the near future. That's mm-hmm. right. And uh, 
that being the last uh, story in our show, we immediately moved to the meme review, where the first meme is literally <laughs> what those workers themselves were feeling. Uh, yep. We've got a, a top text on this one. It says, when you file to unionize and now your boss is pretending they care about you and is just SpongeBob <laughs> with uh, just deadpan, slight frown face just being like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I love this. Like this, this like SpongeBob face is like one of my favorite, like SpongeBob reaction memes, because there are so many situations, especially in the stuff we talk about in the show, like with captive audience meetings, for instance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that This is the perfect reaction to like, really now yeah. you care. Well, he's got the frown. He's, uh, he's got the half lidded eyes of like disbelief and, and also just like uh, disregard. I suppose. And the other thing I love about this image is that since it's from SpongeBob, you know that when he made this face, there was a little <laughs> sound effect at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's also like a, a watermark on this one uh, from the Appalach- uh, Appalachian Workers Coalition. So, Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Pretty good stuff. <laughs> this next one, <laughs> I laughed Sticky so much comics. when I originally saw this one. <laughs> yeah. So this comic from. East Coast IT notes. East Coast it notes, right? Like, oh, that's what it is. Okay. (laughs) So it's a, oh, that, and it's all right because it's on four post it notes. Okay. Now I get it. We we were all too distracted by how fucking biting the actual panels are. (laughs) Right. So it's a four panel. Yeah. The top left is you've got your your worker guy. He's he's there with his tie and he's, he's just like, I would either like more pay or less work because I have no time and no money. And then the upper right, we've got his boss where he's, he's bald, but he's got the little ring of hair around the back and it's just zoomed in on his face and he's just yelling lazy. And the next one entitled And then the bottom one. He's, he's like bending over, over backwards. backwards, waving his arms around yelling back in my day, we just fucking died. <laughs> uh, it would only, it, it would only be more funny if this wasn't the way everybody over 50 seems to want to talk to me about yeah. my work situation. <laughs> yeah. I wish this was less relatable. Yeah. That would be nice. Right. And then uh, oh, the next man. one is just a, a, a Twitter conversation where someone is asking, uh, for those of you who work remote, what are the pros and cons? Uh, and then someone responds, well, pros, sleeping in showering on my own time no traffic peace and quiet running errands in my spare time taking my life back not being overly tired uh not being too overly tired to work uh and then cons people making up articles about wanting me to return to the office (laughs) (laughs) that is like a big thing too is like uh like new york times columnists will always be like don't you miss the camaraderie of a break room you <laughs> how about that no, the, i don't the psychological toll of being away from the office <laughs> the psychological toll of seeing my wife and children every day <laughs> <laughs> i mean and speaking of psychological toll the next one is a always sunny meme where um oh, oh dennis is just fucking losing it and just like screaming because um what is it who's who's the guy Mac. 
Mac, yeah, Mac says, uh, no one wants to work anymore. And then, and then Dennis is like, newsflash, asshole. We never wanted to work. We're, we're just now realizing. Or, oh, what is it? Is it say we're? We're yeah, just. We're, we're just now realizing that if you're going to force us to bake the pie, we deserve a bigger we, slice. Right. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. The phrasing on that one's a little confusing to me, but, but I, I, get, I get the sentiment. I just love the, the idea of Dennis just screaming. <laughs> that, stop, stop being fucking idiots. We're just, we need better conditions. Yeah, and so this last one uh, is definitely one of the more annoying things about online discourse if you end yes. up getting sucked into like a sphere where you have like right-wingers in there. Cause it's, it's the, you know, parks and rec where you've got, ah, fuck. What's his Ron name Swanson? Yeah. It's Ron Swanson at the home Depot. Well, no, it's Lowe's and the Lowe's guy is just like, let's go. Brandon bet you're so triggered. <laughs> and then it cuts to him, but he's now he's got to now Ron's got the like anarchist and communist flags on him. And he's just, I hate Biden more than you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I, I love this meme because like the, I know more than you joke is always funny but also because like the let's go brandon thing just one of the worst and stupidest things i've ever heard in my entire life just tell me you're too much of a coward to say fuck the president without telling me you're too much of a coward to say fuck the president i just i just really need it i wanted to bring this one in specifically because it's good to have one of these memes in your back pocket you know like (laughs) just just to drop in the chat to just Tell someone to fuck off. What, what if instead of let's go, Brandon, it was let's go, Brendan, and it was a totally sincere call for Brendan Small to bring back home movies? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> That's what we need. That's what, like, 2020 demands more wisdom from Coach McGurk. That's, like, yeah. <laughs> come on. H. John uh, Benjamin, I, I after think years I'm a of Bob's now. Yeah. <laughs> H. John Benjamin's repertoire after years of doing Bob's Burgers would be so powerful as Coach McGurk. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, home movies fucking rules. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, we'll end the episode. Uh, we really want to thank everyone who's a patron for giving us five bucks a month to make sure this happens. We actually just did a new series or we started a new series where we cover one particular labor issue that didn't make it into the, into the show. Go ahead and become a patron. If you can't afford that, jump in the discord and let us know. And we'll be happy to give you access to that. But if you could give us a five-star review on a bunch of things, like John said on a park bench, uh, and, <laughs> Follow John himself on Twitter at Facebook Villain. Follow the pod at Work Stoppage Pod. Listen to Beep Beep Lettuce. Listen to Red Game Table. And as always, labor peace is not in our interest. Solidarity forever. Solidarity. Solidarity, everybody.
Nordic, 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 Nordic,